This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies. All for you. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, also known to everyone as the IPC. And we have another phenomenal episode for you guys tonight. We're going to be continuing our discussion from last week. We had an incredible showing from all you guys. We asked you, what were your top five John Williams tracks? There's a lot of them, and you guys sent a lot of lists. And we read almost all of them, I think. I think we, we did our best. Some, it's, some of them fall through the cracks. It's, it's hard to get sometimes. But we got as many as we could on the show last week. It's a lot of fun. We had Jake Damon on here with us. And it was a ton, a ton of fun. And we're going to be continuing that this week by giving our own top fives because we didn't get to do it last week. So here we are. We're doing it again. And we're going to have a little, few little surprises for you along the way. So uh, without further ado, I guess it's time to uh, let you know what the heck's going on and uh, who we are. This is the IPC. My name is Ben. And joining me, as he always does, is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Zach Arnold. Zach What's up, man? Uh, well, let's see. Gas prices, the sky, rent, uh, taxes, the temperature, even though it's fall, Texas weather just does not seem to Can you to hear me rolling me. my eyes? Uh, well, you asked me what's up, and I'm telling you. Fair also, enough. Fair also, enough. Um, my temperature. I may be getting a little bit of a fever, so I'm glad I've got a weekend off. So, uh, And I'm also glad that this is not an in-person episode. We get to do all of this virtually, so you guys don't catch whatever I may be coming down with. But I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to be here. This is an episode that is a long time in the making, and we're doing it in a very special way. And we really couldn't do it in this special way without our friend with all of the musical expertise at his disposal. Back again for another round of IPC fun. It's the head writer and the co-host of the Star Wars Underworld, Mr. Dominic Jones. Hey guys, it's great to be back. And yes, as Zach said, I have the musical expertise. So I will be performing all the music live tonight. Uh, we'll be using the recorder, the kazoo, the tuba, the sousaphone, and uh, just for a little bit of fun, a, uh, a one of the a banjo. So uh, it, it's going to be a, a hey, real wild hey, show. Hey, the banjo's my territory, <laughs> bub. I mean, he is known Nobody as DJ Crazy Nobody outside of Trank. Texas and Kentucky gets to play the banjo, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> Well, I guess I'll just have to stick with the kazoo then. It'll be uh... no, 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 no. Dominic is from the south, from South Canada. He's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's so north. He's south. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Us uh, southerners. Okay, but what is North Canada like? The tundra? Are we going to get a musk oxen to call into the show or something? Like... Yes. 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 That's that's that next, would that's be... next week. That would, that would actually be kind of interesting if you could actually interview a musk ox and get it to make sounds on the program. Like, I wonder how many people would actually listen to that. 
probably a few. I, I don't know what the cross just, what the crossover just is. Out of, with... Just out of interest, you yeah. know, to see what's it like interviewing an animal for a podcast. Yeah, well, also, I, I listen. I listened also, to a, a comedy podcast where a couple of years ago the host interviewed a horse. So there's that. <laughs> Oh, that's greatness. See, okay, so I was thinking I could ask it one specific piece of Friends trivia. Mm. Because if uh, if if there's some kind of a it, it's it's from it's from an episode where where Joey's talking about a point that doesn't matter, mm. and he says um, if if he doesn't like you back, then this is all a moo point. Mm. It's like a cow's opinion. Yeah. <laughs> it's moo. Oh, so if we ask the musk oxen that question, you know, what does Joey consider a cow's opinion to be? If the musk ox says moo, he got the question right. But what if it says like eh, close enough? <laughs> <laughs> this episode escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we got we got. DJ Crazy Train being our actual DJ tonight. Yeah. Which is going to be really fun. So let me let me ask you guys a question. This is, this is something that um, has been very near and dear to me since episode one of the IPC. Obviously, we talked about that last week. This is something we've been talking about literally from the get-go, and now it's four years later. But in the meantime, I actually did something kind of similar to this not exactly a podcast but more like a musical program do either of you guys remember the old show that i did called sci-fi symphony i do i do indeed raise i'm raising my hand yes i did so tonight is kind of a blend of ipc and sci-fi symphony we took all of the guest submissions all of our listener submissions last week and it's just us talking about our favorite John Williams pieces. And because we've got DJ Crazy Train on the music with us tonight, we're actually going to be playing clips from the different pieces that we consider our top five John Williams scores. And it's basically going to be IPC meets Sci-Fi Symphony, which I'm kind of stoked about because it's probably been over a year year maybe closer to two years since i've done an episode just because of my schedule and lack of interest and lack of time that kind of thing but Mm. to to have to have it back even in just a little minutia of a way like we're doing tonight is is pretty exciting for me personally Mm -hmm. yeah it's cool totally it's cool uh so uh, before we can get to that, before we actually let you listen to our pieces and our and our favorite elements, we do have one piece of news. It dropped on this past Tuesday, the 18th, uh, on Good Morning America. Brie Larson showed up on the program, and they dropped the first Captain Marvel trailer. War is a universal language. I know a renegade soldier when I see one. Never occurred to me that one might come from above. Space invasion. Big car chase. Truth be told, I was ready to hang it up till I met you today. So you're not from around here. 
It's hard to explain. I keep having these memories. I see flashes. I think I had a life here. But I can't tell if it's real. no idea what threats are out there. We can't do this alone. We need you. I'm not what you think I am. I, I want to get you guys' thoughts because, I mean, obviously, Marvel Comics, Captain Marvel, Brie Larson, we saw the Entertainment Weekly photos about a week or two ago, mm-hmm. and now this drops. Even with Infinity War's sequel on the horizon, the hype for Captain Marvel is now picking up. I want to get you guys' thoughts. Dom, you're the you're the guest on the program tonight. We'll, we'll lead off with you. What did you make of this trailer? Oh, well, I, I'm not. I don't have any history with the character. I've never, uh, never read a comic or or, or anything with uh, with Captain Marvel. But the trailer looks awesome. <laughs> I think it looks really cool. I'm looking forward to to seeing the actual movie and and seeing how it all plays out. But from the you know two minutes or so that we've actually seen it, it looks uh, very promising. It looks like it's going to be a, a solid superhero movie, a solid super, superhero origin story, and. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm I'm curious to see how it ties in with the with the larger uh, Marvel universe, but I'm also just sort of excited to see uh, all of these characters interacting. And and you know, it's kind of funny. It's it's a it's a bit of a period piece being set in the 1990s, which is weird to say. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. A period piece from the decade I was born. That's yeah. just so <laughs> like this must be what our parents feel like when they talk about period pieces set in the sixties. Yeah. Yeah. You know, very... you're, you know, you're old when you start seeing, seeing movies that are set in way long time ago in the early 1990s. And uh, a long time you know, ago in a decade, far, far away. Exactly. <laughs> and I mean, what perfect, what, what more perfect way to open this trailer up than what her literally, you know, busting into Blockbuster. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I mean, it's become like Blockbuster was around up until a few years ago, but it really has become this, you know, icon of the 90s and really kind of a shorthand for like, okay, you're in a different time period. Blockbuster doesn't exist anymore. So obviously this is set in the past and they're using that to their advantage. Um, as far as my thoughts on the trailer, like, I, like, it, it feels like, Obviously, you see Nick Fury, you see Coulson. It's great to see those characters, but like, it feels very different, even though we know it's in the MCU. So that's what intrigues me the most. Like, I'm not going in this movie. Like, I'm not, maybe not as hyped for this movie as Avengers Four, of course. But like, I'm looking forward to this one just for the fact of it feels different. They're not going for the standard. Oh, this is how I got my powers. It's you know the interest, just interesting aspect of this character that's been established. And has been kind of already established in this universe is existing. We're going back to her 90s, and even still, 
she doesn't know where she came from. She doesn't know. She, she thinks she has connections to Earth, but she doesn't know. Obviously, there's some, you know, maybe intentionally or unintentionally lost memories of, you know, her time as a quote-unquote normal human being. So it's going to be interesting to see, like, how they going to – so that's my biggest takeaway from the trailer is, like, I'm intrigued to see this movie because it doesn't feel like your general – and, you know, rightfully so, as much as I love the MCU – a lot of their opening movies, their first in the series, are not the strongest. Some of them, they 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 seem to thrive more in sequels. So, I think this one could be one of the stronger sequels. See, the first movies, not the I don't I don't want to call it origin story because it really is. I guess it is an origin story, but at the same time, it's kind of subverting that. Well, I mean, it's essentially her first story because it's her first appearance. Mm -hmm. But this type of movie seems to be going a different route from the stuff that I read from Entertainment Weekly. She's already got her powers. Right. Her powers are already established. She's already, you know, got an understanding of, of what to do with what she's got. And then she shows up on Earth after she's harnessed her powers. So that already is a very different approach because uh -huh. a lot of the times when we're seeing these characters, they're still learning what to do with themselves. Captain America, Iron Man, etc. They're trying to figure out now that they've got this technology, now that they've got this ability, what do you do with it? Captain Marvel already has that established. She already knows what she's doing. But I think the real mystery is now what does she do with it? Right. You know, there there seems yeah. to be some crisis on Earth and she seems to have some connections to Earth, like you said, Ben. But there's a lot about her backstory that we still don't know. So maybe it's amnesia. Maybe it's a little PTSD going on. Either one of those would be interesting to explore. And um, just some of the things that I've heard about her character and some of her primary opponents, the opponents that we're expecting to see in this program, in this movie. I mean... Yes, it's it's set back in the 90s, which obviously doesn't even have the same technology that 2018 does. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, her opponent, the Skrulls, are alien life forms that are capable of shape-shifting and their ships have cloaking devices. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. it is as didactically separate as you can possibly get it. Like, this kind of technological differentiation is on par with what you saw with the with the Star Trek, the voyage home, when you've got Kirk and Spock set in, you know, 60s, 70s San Francisco, and they're trying to save the whales. Mm, right. You know, like, it is it is just so technologically different that really the only way you can save the day is by harnessing your superhero powers. You can't put together something from Stark technology because Stark technology doesn't really have all that great stuff at their disposal yet. S.H.I.E.L.D. is still in its very underground, formative stage mm -hmm. and doesn't have a whole lot at its disposal. They're driving around in cars that look like they're from the mid-80s, so they're gently used cars because you're in the 90s now. So everything about this feels both nostalgic and like your starring characters are already at a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. to have an origin story blend with an origin story an origin story blending with a underdog story mm. i'm sorry i got my words mixed up a little bit <laughs> to have those two combined into one movie is really really intriguing to me yeah one one sort of takeaway i have from the the trailer is how it looks 
it, it it's sort of like um Infinity War in the sense that it looks like all of the different facets of the Marvel universe are kind of coming together in this one film not so much in the sense that the characters are all showing up but just like there are shots in this trailer that look like they would be very very at home in a Captain America movie or an Iron Man movie you know you have the superhero uh in their super suit walking around modern day modern or modern-ish day cities uh interacting with with humans doing human things in human places um and then but then you also have these shots that look like they'd be right out of Guardians of the Galaxy with all the aliens and the alien tech it's yep. uh, it, it it's really bringing these the two sort of sides of the universe together into this one character yeah and it's you know it is like you 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 have Ronan and Korath who are straight out of Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. so you've got those i mean like literal elements from the Guardians films and they're kind of coming we maybe not assume to earth but like She's coming to Earth, and that, in assume, I think maybe that's a sign that the MCU in the future will be more blended with the you know cosmic side of this universe. I mean, you had Thor Ragnarok, which was kind yeah. of doing that, taking Bruce Banner, throwing him into space. Like so, like there is that interesting dynamic of the different tones and the different types of storytelling, and also the different locales that you're used to. Um, this movie keen, seems to kind of be balancing all that pretty well so i'm interested to see like where actually all this goes you know like what is her purpose because she starts out assuming part of this star force thing this kree um you know battle force whatever it is um fighting alongside korath and all these guys and then you have uh, marvell who's played by uh jude law but like you know like she's obviously been taken from earth but she doesn't know about that so has her memories been erased and like does that mean that Marvel is evil or and are the Cree evil? Like leaves a lot of open questions to like who's the good guys, who's the bad guys. And I'm really interested to see like where that could go and who we may assume that somebody's an antagonist. Maybe they're maybe they're a good guy, who knows? Yeah. Well, I mean, this is before Ronan goes rogue in Guardians of the Galaxy. He's still yeah. He's still a a functioning member of Cree society at this point. And so this may be a way that we can discover what tips the scale into his siding with Thanos in the Guardians movie. This could be a precursor to how Nick Fury lost his eye because he's got two functioning eyes in this trailer. And there's a a scene, there's there's a shot of an operating room where there's a body laying on a table and Nick Fury is sitting there with a a thing over his eye. Oh, is is there? Real? I missed that. That's cool. I'm trying to f- figure out where exactly it is in the thing, but yeah, it's around uh, zero zero thirty nine thirty nine seconds into the trailer. Looks like they might actually have like a a, a, a scroll on the operating table. He's got like a ice pack up to his oh, yeah. eye, which he's either either he's sustained a wound or he's lost. He's straight up lost an eye, like already, and we we assume that's going to happen in this movie. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot to look forward to for sure. Um, and then there's also the ever looming, ever nagging question of where the hell has she been all this time? Because <laughs> seriously, we we see her in this movie set in the '90s, but all the previous movies that we've seen from 2008 to 2018 have no mention of her whatsoever, no appearance by her whatsoever. 
you know, these past 20-something MCU movies have never had Captain Marvel in it whatsoever. And yet they're bringing her in right before Avengers 4. You see her logo at the end of Infinity War in the Nick Fury post credit scene. So she's been around, but where the heck has she been? Space. Yeah, it's... It's, it's obviously space, but I'm wondering, like, does she have a job to do out in space? Has she been fighting scrolls all this time? You know, I'm wondering I, if I'm wondering if, like, the reason that scrolls haven't shown up since they're you know, being introduced in this movie. You know, you know what I think, Ben? I think I think um, she went off with uh, her nephew and about a dozen other students. <laughs> she started up a training academy. Then no. she realized her nephew was going evil, tried to kill him in a moment, then was like, oh, that was a mistake. But then her nephew was like, I'm going to go evil anyways. And she's been like off hiding at the end of the, the galaxy, just waiting for somebody to come and, and then offer her a lightsaber. And lots of heads are going to explode in a the theater. <laughs> she's going to start with a nice lightsaber flip over the shoulder. That's how Avengers 4 is opening. <laughs> it's time for superheroes to end. Yeah. Well, that You know, that would probably be a, a good tag. Actually, would it be a terrible tagline for Avengers 4? Hi, I'm holding for Captain Marvel. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, boy. But, like, back to my point. Um, like, what if she's been fighting scrolls all this time? And then she gets called back to Earth, and then she's not defending Earth from scrolls, and the scrolls come show up in maybe Avengers 5, maybe. Maybe. They, they could. I, I'm of the opinion that the reason we haven't seen scrolls is because they are so convincingly undercover that we've actually seen some scroll shapeshifters in our midst guaranteed guaranteed one of the avengers is a scroll guaranteed I would, and I, what's I interesting which avengers. let's put, put put your put your money where your mouth is who do you think it is i don't maybe okay. hawkeye <laughs> like no, we, we have to do no. something to make this character interesting. You, you, see, have, to, you see, have to use a cop out character like that. No, that's not a cop out. He's he's had a he's, he he's only doing... shows up in Avengers movies. It's a cop out. He's been in. He was in Thor. Give me a break. Oh, oh for all of like ten seconds in the rain. Yeah. So what's interesting about scrolls is the fact that they can be so deep undercover that the Pete that. Like Captain America could be a scroll, but he wouldn't know it. And like on to down to like a DNA molecular level, you can't prove that they're not a scroll. So like how far they go with that and like I mean, really who could be a scroll? Nick Fury could be a scroll. Like, you know, any 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 person could be a scroll. Um, what if um I don't know. I don't know, Bruce Banner. I don't know. You, you, any of them. He wasn't. Really. That, that's, he was okay, in space. Here's, here's the thing. Maybe that could partially explain why this iteration of Banner could not turn into the Hulk. Because Maybe. He's, he's not actually Banner. Yeah. He was the, I don't know, he, he I don't was know the if one they character. get their powers mm-hmm. if, they're, if they turn into someone. Yeah. It's interesting. Interesting. He was in space, like he spent, like you guys pointed out, he spent Thor three. He did. He did spend a good amount of time in space. That's very true. And there's there's the absolute possibility that somehow, somewhere down the line, he got switched out with a scroll. Are Maybe they? there was a scroll that infiltrated Asgard, and when Thanos hit, he decided he needed a higher profile like the Hulk, and switched 
and assumed Banner's identity instead so he could get off of that ship alive. Maybe. Possible. The other one, and are you, uh, maybe Loki. Maybe that's, uh, maybe that's who died at the beginning because they don't ever want to kill that character. <laughs> He'll be back. Yeah. He's getting a limited run series. That's a totally different theory because Loki is uh, is a member of the Ice Children and he doesn't revert back to his uh, his form um, of of an ice of an of, of a of a child of the ice after Thanos kills him, and so people are already of the opinion that that wasn't actually Loki or he wasn't actually dead. There you go. Yeah, there is a theory that he, yeah, his 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 skin didn't turn blue, his eyes didn't turn red. He looked more human than he did Ice Child, and so um, they uh, there there are a lot of theorists that think maybe he's not gone at all. Which what if Captain What if Captain Marvel's a scroll? She doesn't know it. Maybe I don't know. Does it, would that play into why she thinks she remembers some stuff? Like she has like the echoes of memories, but not maybe, the memories themselves. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I I just did the, the endless the, possibilities and probably none of the ones that we picked. Probably. Um, but <laughs> that's the that's the beauty of the MCU. It can be just about anything, and just about any one of those plots would be enjoyable and make sense with the story that they've given us so far. Mm, too true. Know. Too true. Okay, well, that's the only thing that we're really going to talk about tonight. There may be some other news topics, but we really want to get into the John Williams music, and we really want to pay our respects to the the fans that submitted uh, their top fives to us last week. We really appreciate everybody that contributed. Uh, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to like list off and play music from all five of your top selections, although I will say Binary Sunset got a lot of love. Oh. Indiana Jones got a lot of love. The uh, Imperial March got a lot of love from you guys, but the top voted piece is the one that we're going to play for you guys to kick things off, and uh, then we're going to cut to a quick commercial break and then jump into our top five list. But before we get to any of that, the most voted eight different people from last week's episode, we had about 20 submissions, and eight different people from last week's lists voted for this piece and so this is our number one fan voted john williams score and then as soon as we as soon as we finish with this particular score we'll cut to commercials and then it'll be just us listing off our top five pieces and playing excerpts from those pieces the whole rest of the evening it's going to be a fun john williams music filled night the highest voted and i don't know if this is really much of a surprise to anyone because it it's a pretty classic piece it's probably the most famous piece from the prequel trilogy ladies and gentlemen i give to you the duel of the fates
Greetings, this is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I have drifted into the underworld. The Star Wars underworld. I have a bad feeling about this. Hey y'all, this is Ben Hart here. I know y'all just heard me on the IPC talking all things geeky and fun. Now I'm here to tell y'all about my other podcast. It's called The Star Wars Underworld, about all things Star Wars. We talk Star Wars The Clone Wars, Star Wars The Force Awakens, Star Wars Last Jedi, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and so much more. I record it with my friends Chris and Dominic, who are here to tell y'all all about it. Hello, Chris. Hello, Ben. I'm so excited to talk about Star Wars this week. It's fun. It's funny. We're going to have a great time. Hey, guys, I am so nostalgic for mall packaging, and I love being on the Star Wars Underworld podcast talking all the latest Star Wars news. Well, now that y'all had a little taste of the show and you know what to expect, you should check out more episodes by going to StarWarsUnderworld.com or by searching for the show on the iTunes, the Apple Podcast, the Google Play, and all sorts of things. And may the Force be with y'all. It's a wrap, eh? This is IPC. We are back discussing our top five John Williams tracks here on episode 207 of the IPC podcast. Uh, Just a quick shout out to all of the different patrons that we've got here on the program that make these top five episodes possible and that make this podcast possible. We've got some awesome contributors like Joey Mays, Katie Horn, Jake Damon, Rachel Perry, Dan Grievous and Parker Odd. If you want to shout out here on the program and to have some exclusive benefits and offers that we've got for patrons only, go check us out at patron.podbean.com forward slash IPC podcast. The maximum you could possibly contribute is only five small dollars a month, and it gives you a lot of really, really awesome content. So please go check that out. If you are a fan of this program and want to see it continue to grow and succeed, that is the best way to do it. I'm Zach here with Ben and Dominic. We're talking about our favorite, favorite John Williams tracks. And first and foremost, guys, let me let me just let you off with a with a softball type question. What do you think was the first John Williams soundtrack you ever heard? And how long did it take before you fully appreciated it? Um, for me, I honestly I'm not sure. Like I kind of, I kind of think it, it, it's probably like something that I didn't even realize was him. Like you know, like I didn't realize yeah. at the time, and I can't think like what it would be. Uh, but I guess the, the big, the big one, the big first one for me would have been Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Um, and I don't know if I if I fully appreciated it until much later. Um, you know, I don't know if I really started to fully appreciate John Williams until I really started getting into into Star Wars and and really understanding 
uh, when, what went into making those films and then sort of learning about J- John Williams uh, through that and then finding out, oh, he's done all these other films you also like. Uh, and, and that's sort of when I gained a new appreciation for him was really, I think it was the Empire of Dreams documentary uh, about the making of the original Star Wars trilogy. Uh, and there's a part in there where they talk about how the, that was the one thing that ex- ex- exceeded George Lucas's expectations for that uh, original film was the music. And uh, that's, I think that was, that's my first sort of real uh, realization of just how impactful Williams has been on, on film in general. Yeah, I, for me, I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, I saw, I saw New Hope at a pretty young age and I don't like, I can't think of any other movies. I remember watching, I remember watching E.T. I remember Mm, watching, you know, I was kind of, uh, you know, vaguely familiar with Jaws, familiar with Jurassic Park, like a bunch of his movies, but like, I would think Star Wars would probably be the first one. But I'm like you, Dominic. Like I think it wasn't until like I got my hands on the VHS, maybe probably the DVD with DVD box set of Virtual Trilogy, which had the Empire Dreams, which is an amazing documentary and all that kind of stuff. Just kind of going through all that as you do. Like I'm sure that's when I kind of like, you know, you start to get a grasp of like, oh, this isn't. Ju- I mean, people actually you know, spend a lot of time making this, and you know, it's it's a movie, it's a production, getting the concept of like how movies are made and understanding like, you know, each aspect, especially the music and how that works. So like you probably wasn't there. I, I don't remember a time when I didn't know John Williams' name seems like, but like, you know, it's just, it's a weird thing, but you know, it's, it's, it's there. Like it's the weird thing about music is like, you just subconsciously get it. It you doesn't always click with you. And I, I don't even know, like, like even the new Star Wars films, I'm not sure how much like on the first viewing that I actually like really tune into the music. It isn't until like the second and third viewings when I'm like, okay, I'm starting to listen to that. I'm starting to actually get that and start to either enjoy it or not enjoy it, which I have enjoyed all of them so far. So, like, it's really weird. Yeah. What about you, Zach? Um, probably, I would say Episode One. Mm. with Duel of the Fates. It's kind of interesting that that's the one that got a lot of votes and that we played in the entirety for our fans. Um, I had heard the music from Empire Strikes Back when I was a kid. I'd heard the music from, you know, A New Hope when I was watching the VHS. But I don't think I really grasped the importance of the music until I heard it during the non-spoken portions of Mm. Phantom Menace. And that's when it really hit home with me that music is really important during those kinds of sequences. But then it took me a couple of years after that to understand who John Williams was and what he was fully capable of, you know? Yeah. I feel like Phantom Menace in particular was like a response by by George Lucas, and he understood after the original trilogy going like, okay – People love lightsaber duels. People love the John Williams music. Let's just give them a scene where it's nothing but a lightsaber duel and John Williams music. Like, and that's exactly what it was. I yeah. think I generally, like, I think that's what George Lucas was thinking. So, like, and and you got that, and and it's the most. I mean, it, it got top rated in the show. Like, you know, people love Duel of the Fates, even as some people still find you know fault with Phantom Menace. 
everyone like agrees Duel of Face is one of the best Jolium scores ever, one of the best film scores ever. So you know it's it's up there. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, oh, ab- absolutely. Like it's it's one of my personal favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, I may be getting ahead of myself because we're supposed to be listing these five specifically. <laughs> don't don't give anything yeah. away. I'm yeah. not. I'm not giving. I'm not. I'm not going to give too much away. Well, but let's... just considering how much like origin I've got and how much association I've got with it, it's it's entirely possible that may not be the last time you hear me talking about it. Yeah, I have, I have a strong suspicion we may talk about it more than once. <laughs> it's, it's entirely possible. It's entirely possible. But with that, I guess it's probably just best to go ahead and go into our fives for the evening. And what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to go around the horn and each person will talk about what their number five is, the specific track, the specific movie. And then uh, DJ Crazy Train will uh play an excerpt from that piece so that you all get a demonstration of just how amazing that particular piece is we're going to go around that with number five number four number three etc etc and then when we get to our number ones we're actually going to play the whole piece whatever that piece is it could be as short as three minutes it could be as long as nine minutes it doesn't matter our spoiler alert mine's long our number ones will be played in their entirety at the end of this episode. And then we got a special outro tune for you lined up as well. So it's going to be fun. Uh, Dominic, you're the guest on the program tonight. We'll let you lead off. What is your number five and why? So my number five is a newer John Williams track. Uh, it comes from a little movie called Star Wars The Last Jedi. Uh, so it's, what? It's, it's very recent, but this track has become an absolute favorite of mine, and it's called The Spark. So it's from oh. the end of the movie when Luke Skywalker finally shows up on Crate. And uh, if you listen to the, the song on the soundtrack, there's the whole, it gives you the whole bit where he's talking to, to Leia beforehand. It gives you the music for that. Uh, and then it goes into the part that really is my favorite piece of, of new Star Wars music across all four all four of the new films as Luke starts walking out to face down the first order himself. And I love it in the film where you have all the characters sort of standing to look and stare at Luke as he walks out. It's a beautiful visual. It's one of those moments where you, you really don't need dialogue. All of the, all of the stories told in the visuals and the music. And it's, it's, it's really you know, uh, if you have the opportunity to watch the the music only, the score only version of the film, this is one of those moments where like almost nothing changes. <laughs> it's 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 almost exactly how it plays in the film, and it's just something about it how um, it, it conveys that something incredible is happening, and something even more incredible is about to happen.
damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just I love that uh, that music, and it's it's one of those things. Like when I was listening to the Last Jedi soundtrack after not having seen the movie for a couple of days, that was really one of the moments where, as soon as I heard it in my in my headphones, I knew oh that this is what's happening because I don't know the first time I listened to a soundtrack. Uh, after having watched the movie, I can't always tell exactly where the music's supposed to go. There's only a couple of moments that really stand out, and mm-hmm. that was uh, that was one of them. Yeah, that's a great. Oh man, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the cool thing about this soundtrack and a lot of John Williams scores is that you can have that kind of imagery in your head um, about where you are in the movie just by listening to his music. Mm-hmm. Oh, there yeah. aren't that many action flicks. There aren't that many movies in general where you can hear the music and you can tell exactly where they are. The Avengers, you can kind of do that uh, at times, but not always and not in its entirety. There are some movies where I can just listen to the entire John Williams soundtrack and know exactly what's happening in the movie based on what I'm listening to. And yeah, I was visualizing Crate mm-hmm. with with that music playing. I was visualizing Luke walking out to face Kylo at the at the very very end of of that of that piece. Like it sparked that same imagery. It's almost that, it's that, almost it's almost like it's called the spark. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's the it's the spark of music, the spark of imagery, and the spark of the rebellion. Like yeah. there's multiple ways that you can Heck look yeah. at it. For sure, Heck yeah, for sure, for sure. So that's so, number five for me. So I, 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 I'm, I'm gonna let you go next, Zach. What is your number five? So my number five actually isn't from a movie. Believe it or not, John Williams has done other stuff outside of, outside of movies, and uh, this is one that I get to listen to every couple of years, and every time I hear it, I get excited both because it's my favorite composer and because it's one of my favorite events of all time. I'm a huge fan of the Olympic Games, and nothing gets me excited about the games more than the Olympic fanfare, which was composed by Mr. John Williams. Doesn't that just get you excited about whatever it is you're about to watch? Oh yeah. Like it's it's the it's the world's champions. It's the best of the best. And to me, it's some of the best music of the best right there too. It, and some of the most iconic. I mean, come on. Yeah, I, I had no idea that 
that was him. And and honestly, it's not something. It's not a track that I sort of could pick out. Like when Zach sent over his list to me, so I could get it ready. I was sort of like, it's it's like the Olympic fanfare. What's that? <laughs> and then, you know, you're listening to it as we were just then. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's what that is. That's that thing. That's that iconic thing we hear every, I guess, every two years now with the summer and the winter Olympic Games. And, yeah, I, I had no idea that was him. I had no idea. You learn something new every day. And this here, I'll drop another little nugget right in the middle of this really quick. John Williams, are, are either of you guys, I'm sure you are familiar with the TV show Gilligan's Island? I've heard of it. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a comedy from the 60s. Uh, CBS aired it. It only lasted like three seasons, I think. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. got huge rerun popularity. Like if you're watching like the, the rerun channel for those oldies shows, Gilligan's Island is like a staple, I believe. Oh, totally. So according to what I've heard... John Williams actually composed the original theme song to that show. So the one that they used on the pilot or not the sit right back when you hear it. Not that one. The no, no, no. Original no, no, ben, ben, one. Sing, the, sing the whole song for us. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. You look it up. But I'm not going to sing the original because I don't know it. And also it's terrible. I, um, okay. I've heard it. It's very islanderish but not in the moana sense it's the it's the it's the it's the singing that kind of ruins it. i'm sure i think john williams music is fine tourists go tourists bouncing back to and fro i've I actually, actually know that <laughs> I've, I've i've watched the i've watched that intro music before i don't know how i stumbled across it it was when you do those random youtube viewings and you just click from video to video mm. i think i think it, it just kind of did this ducktail thing where i ended up listening to that intro theme and i was like oh this is not the gilligan's island theme that i remember and then i just listened to it so i could laugh at it because it was like in black and white and didn't even have like the same cast members like it was the pilot episode i believe wow wow yeah yeah doesn't surprise me but yeah that's 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 just an example of something really so, obscure that I john believe, did i believe back then he was also known as johnny williams uh-huh. <laughs> I think he. I think he was going by that, and I think he was music still calling com- people baby. Music. Oh no, he still calls people ba- Williams. He still calls people baby. Yeah, like you, you, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh great! But I don't think anybody can call him Johnny Williams. I think now they have to call him Sir John of Williams um, because yeah. that's uh, why hasn't he been knighted? Even though he's not British, <laughs> <laughs> they should make an exception for him. It's like an it's like an honorary lordship, I suppose. Mm. We'll call him Sir anyway. I don't care. Um, but okay, is it is it time for my number five, it's, or are we finished? I'm, I'm I, I wouldn't, I'm not trying to knock yours out, Zach. No, I think we're good. What have you got? All right, so my number five is something. It's it's a it's a score that I'm relatively new to, even though I've heard it. I mean, a lot over the course of my life. I only recently saw this movie, and uh, or these movies, I should say. And it's to the point like I felt like I needed to put it on my list, even though it is top five. It is the number five slot. It still needs to be on my list because of the fact that I do find myself humming and whistling this quite a bit lately because i mean we have been talking about these movies on the show for the past few weeks and months and of course i am referring to the the i guess it's the general i narrowed it down to a specific 
track, but it's the general Harry Potter theme. This is actually from the track Prologue, which is from uh, the Philosopher's Stone soundtrack. And it's just, I mean, pun intended, it's magical. Like, it's it's so great. And, you know, it really sets the tone for the whole movies. And you, you look forward to every time you watch a Harry Potter movie, like, even though I've only done it a few times now, like, it's it's so, so great. And so, I mean, some of his best work. It's a classic. Like when I when I watched Philosopher's Stone for the first time, that was what stood out to me more than just about anything. Was this is the tone setter for the rest of the adventure. Uh-huh. This is this is the thing that is going to get me excited about the rest of the movie because if this kind of music is what we're going to hear for the entirety of the movie, then we are in for a definite treat. Oh, totally. It's just, it, yeah, it does sets the tone for it. It really, and it just, it is, you know, it's, it's just embedded in that movie and it, you, you feel it throughout. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those uh, tracks that just for me, it just brings up such joy because I, like you said, when you hear that, that music, you know, instantly you start instantly think of, of Harry Potter and all the, 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 the fun that I have associated with those, those films and those books. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's like you said, pun intended. It's magical. <laughs> totally. So um, are we, are we ready for number fours? Number four. All right. I guess I'll, I guess since I've, I went first last time, I'll go first again. Sure. Uh, so this next one uh, is from uh, another series of films. And this is really an instance for me of the music outshining the films uh it's the it's uh the theme from the jurassic park series uh i love the original jurassic park and i know this may not be a popular opinion on this show i haven't been a fan of much that's come since uh but that original theme and that has been used across the films and has really been used healthily in the, the last, uh, in the marketing of the last two, especially um, is so beautiful and iconic and kind of different from 
a lot of what I usually associate with John Williams that it just had to make my list at number four. So this is the theme from Jurassic Park. so beautiful that's so i have i just i just have one complaint (laughs) there is no good time to fade out i know i know that's that's a problem with a lot of these these pieces that we're uh we're playing tonight and it's just kind of like you just have to pick a place and go with it and you just uh, kind of have to just gonna have to deal with it yeah Yeah. or or just let it go i don't think anybody will complain (laughs) (laughs) yeah but then we'll be here till like three in the morning Hey, which and, still, uh, any, yeah, still, still, and still, then, I don't think and then the hosts will start complaining, and then the DJs <laughs> yeah. will be like, "I'm not pushing play on one more damn track." Yeah, if we if it's three in the morning, we're just listening to Crazy Train over and over and over, even though it's not John Williams. Um, but yeah, I don't think I would complain about that. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> great, it's a great song. Yeah, um, it really is. But uh, oh also a great God, song. That is that is gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> also great song. Uh, theme from Jurassic Park. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's I I I'm not the biggest fan of the that movie series. I love the original, um, and but I love that music more than than just about anything else. And I I have I love my favorite part of the reboot is that we get TV commercials and trailers that feature that song so prominently because it's such a it's such a wonderful piece. One of my complaints about Falling Kingdom as you guys heard on on a previous episode was that it didn't include like that big fanfare enough. Maybe in the credits, but like it was very like which is kind of a bold choice and that movie was full of bold choices, but like that the whole like you go like you think of Jurassic Park, like I mean, yes, dinosaurs stuff like that. But you think of that score; it starts playing in your head immediately, yeah. and it's one of the big things. And there's several. I mean, you know, there's several themes. There's you know the dinosaur theme. And actually, if you ever get a chance, big shout out to David Collins, um, who runs the soundtrack show. Mm-hmm. If you get a chance, listen through his Jurassic Park episodes. They are absolutely phenomenal though if you don't already appreciate these tracks enough you will have immense even immensely more um appreciation for them because he breaks them down and it's amazing nice i'll have to check that out 
Oh man, anything involving Jurassic Park, I always want to check out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. I know. Maybe you're not as big a fan, Dominic, but the dinosaurs always intrigued me as a kid. Sure. And oh, so sure. to see them come to life in any capacity, I get a little biased at hey, times. No, no, I I totally get it. One of my favorite uh, one of my favorite uh, memories of uh, of being in LA in t- 2016 was going on the Jurassic Park ride with you, and <laughs> I, I love I love that like that ride was a lot of fun. But just the because um, I remember it was it was like one of the first nights that you were there. It was a little yep. bit chilly in the evening. We're like, maybe we don't want to go on a flume ride. And then you saw the gate and you're like, we're going. We're going now. Yes, we're going. Because it looked like the actual <laughs> Jurassic Park gate. And, and I started freaking out. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's my childhood. And we went yeah. and we got on it. And Zach like sat forward holding the bar with the biggest grin on his face, looking around like a child um, being taken into a candy store and just like just having the best time. And then I remember you and I went on it again a couple days later and you got thoroughly soaked and you're like, this I did. Is, you're like, this is great. I now have an excuse to buy a Jurassic park towel. <laughs> and <laughs> and I still use it. Oh. <laughs> I actually, when I was in San Diego this past summer, I took it with me to the beach, Very nice. laid it out, logo up, of course. sat down on it. And while everybody else was playing in the water, I just people watched and read the Jurassic park book by Michael Crichton. Nice. Wow. I only read like a chapter and a half because that everybody nice. kind of wussed out and wanted to go home, but <laughs> I did it, damn it. <laughs> you did it. And you're and you're right. That was one of my favorite memories from that trip to LA because and I'm I'm even more appreciative of it now because they've closed that ride down and they're restructuring it mm-hmm. to be more of a Jurassic World themed ride, mm-hmm. which I'm intrigued by, but you know, there's still something about the classic original ride the same way there is about the original classic movie. And oh, so yeah. The, the fact that there's video footage of somebody in the front row uh, on YouTube, you know, I can go back and rewrite that ride anytime I want, but nothing's going to top that memory for me, you know? Oh, so, totally. so stay tuned. There may be more Jurassic discussion later on in tonight's episode, but I, <laughs> oh. think, we're, I think we're to my number four now, correct? Yes, yeah, yeah, we are. Okay, so my number four comes from a movie that is also another nostalgia piece, another thing that my family was very into when I was younger. My brother was more obsessed with this concept than I was, but our family was a, was a very big fan of pirates. And so the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise is very near and dear to our hearts and things like that. But before the Pirates of the Caribbean came out, there was another pirate movie that um, helped you embrace your inner child, that helped you um, just come to appreciate imagination and adventure in a way that we'd never really seen before because most of the adventures of this character had been animated and we actually got to see Robin Williams play Peter Pan in the movie Hook opposite Dustin Hoffman and the two of them had absolutely amazing on-screen chemistry but I don't think a lot of people know slash realize that John Williams was the composer for the movie Hook and you can just sense his fingerprints all over this particular piece. It is classic John Williams music with the strings and the woodwinds, but it's got a lot of that sense of adventure and awe and wonderment. It's the moment where one of the Lost Boys comes up to Peter and starts playing with his face a little bit, trying to see if he can recognize the child of their past 
that's returned to them in Neverland. And finally, he scrunches the face up and, and moves the eyebrows around and, and squints enough that he finally says to him, Oh, there you are, Peter. And that's the piece that I'm going to play for you guys next, or that DJ Crazy Train's going to play for you next. It's from the movie Hook, and the track title is There You Are, Peter. I just don't have the words guys like it's it tells the story itself it, it it's one of those things that allows you to have minimal words kind of like duel of the fates and you just sit back and watch what the actors are doing without too many verses and the music tells the story for you for a time there yeah yeah i gotta be honest this is not a movie i'm super familiar with i i've, I've seen it once but i am definitely interested in revisiting it especially after ha having heard some of that music um i'm gonna i'm gonna make a confession here uh oh, oh. <laughs> you want to bet what the confession is gonna be you're about to pull I a cory aren't you yes i am <laughs> i have never ever seen hook oh, ben's a brony <laughs> oh that's not the confession okay sorry <laughs> that too that too Hey, I know a lot of good bronies. That wouldn't. That, that's not a confession. That's not confession worthy to me. Um. Anyway, but yeah, beautiful music though. I mean, come on, like, and that that encouraged me. Like, okay, I didn't know that. I didn't know that he did the music for Hook. I've heard about Hook all my life. Didn't know he did the music. Like, it makes sense. So, like, yeah, that's uh, that's very enticing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's a it's a great story. It's a great set of actors, and um, it actually has some ties to uh, Jurassic Park because Steven Spielberg was the director for both films, and Joseph Mazzello, <clears throat> excuse me, Joseph Mazzello, um, tried out for a role in Hook, but was deemed too young for it. He wanted to be the the young boy Jack, but he wasn't quite old enough to be the young boy which is kind of ironic um <laughs> he he was deemed too young but spielberg loved his energy and he loved his enthusiasm and he told him i promise you i'm going to find you a role in my next movie and his next movie 
was Jurassic Park. Hey, nice. So he uh, he may not have gotten a role opposite Robin Williams, but he got a role opposite a T-Rex, which was pretty damn cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's amazing. All right, so Ben, we're doing your number four now, I believe. Oh, it is my it is my turn, isn't it? I was caught off guard there. So my number four is one. Admittedly, I have not seen this movie enough. I have not seen the, all these movies enough. Um, and it's you know, but it's still like you you know this. Even if you haven't seen, you haven't haven't seen this movie, you know this score. You know this sound you may not even know where it came from because it's been in pop culture so much um i remember a particular episode of seinfeld that used it quite hilariously but um it's still it doesn't take away the power and and it's one of the ones that actually heard i mentioned uh, several times because it was almost pretty much a life-changing experience for me but i went to a john williams concert he wasn't there but they were playing his music and it was amazing and this was one of the tunes that they played. And this is the main title, March, from Superman the Movie. I'm sorry, I was just bobbing my head there. I was just, I was just enjoying it. I, I don't think there will ever be a more iconic 
superhero theme. I don't think there has been one since, and I don't think there ever will be one. Not not any of the Avengers stuff, not any of the Batman stuff. This truly is the ultimate superhero uh, theme song, and it was very nearly on my list. It was very nearly on my list, and uh, I, I I had a peek at Ben's list before <laughs> before I, I started <laughs> making mine. When I saw it was on there, I thought, okay, well we'll leave it off mine and make room for something else. Uh, but it's yeah, it's so iconic, so iconic, it's so great. Um, and it one word that hits me is it's exhilarating. Yeah, it really is. It's just like this, like you you get you're pumped. Like I want to go out and I want to do something. Like it's just yeah, jump it just, off a building. It, it's just so like it's so exciting. It just gets you in the mood. It's so so just uplifting. I mean, I'm sure it's Superman. Of course, it's uplifting. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it's so great. I've got a I've got a, I've got a quick little story, if I may. Go for it. Um, I I live right near a theme park called uh, Six Flags over Texas. It's not too far away from me, and we've got a. Uh, tower ride that's called Superman. Superman the ride. Mm. And if you've ever played uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon, it's basically a launched freefall. It's like this set of chairs connected to hydraulics. It takes you up in the air and then it releases you and the hydraulics catch you before you hit the ground. So it's like a launched, controlled freefall feeling. And mm. it's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. But uh, when you're in line, and it can be a pretty big line sometimes because it's a popular ride, they play this theme on loop (laughs) so whenever i'm hearing this music it makes me think of superman the ride from six flags and i get pumped like that but only because of the adrenaline and excitement of riding that ride Mm, sure sure yeah that's uh i mean those 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 rides are pretty uh, uh, exhilarating one of the things it makes me think of and I know it's from the original movies, but it really just what I think of when I hear that music is I think of the uh, the last scene of Smallville <laughs> where they they use that full blast. That's really what it makes me think of more than uh, more than even the the Christopher Reeve movies. As they as great really as those should are. have just brought that back from Man of Steel. They should like. have. They should have. But yeah, I don't know. Wait, you get this wasn't. I don't know if you guys touched on this last week, but. Uh, you know they may have they may be rebooting Superman soon. So when they, they when a, they when they when, when Michael B. Jordan starts his run as oh, Superman, they should bring how, him back. Oh man! Now I'm just picturing that in my head. That'd be good. I'm picture I'm picturing good. The I like it after that happens. <laughs> I don't want to think of I don't want to think about that. I'm just thinking about the scene in the movie. And I'm like, yeah, I like it. I like it. I think I can see it. I can see the trailer now. I don't want to think about the internet. Great. Think, think about the trailer. Yeah, it's good yep. stuff. It's good, good All stuff. All right, so I believe we're on to number threes now. Number and three. Dominic, we may as well keep it going. What's your number three? Well, um, you know, this is probably a track you guys haven't heard in a really long time. Um, definitely not within the last two hours. I guarantee none of you have listened to it, so let's just uh, jump right into it.
to like what is it that cantina that cantina joke play that same song <laughs> yeah i mean I, I present to you the best piece of star wars music written since 1977 uh it's uh like you said earlier ben whatever you think of phantom menace uh that music is incredible i love the way it's used throughout the prequel trilogy i i wish and hope that they would find a way to incorporate it into the sequel trilogy um Mm -hmm. i i I don't love the way it's become a theme for darth maul i think that's um kind of reductive like it, it, it it is so much bigger than just one character it's really right I mean, you mentioned David Collins earlier, Ben. You know, if you've ever hear him break down this song, he really lays it out. It's it's not about it's not about what's happening on screen necessarily as it's playing, but it's about what that represents. And it's really the the duel of the fates, so to speak, of the, yeah. the showdown between light and dark, and that's you know manifested uh, very literally in Phantom Menace with. Uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan fighting Darth Maul. Uh, it's kind of more of an internal thing in Attack of the Clones as Anakin is racing to find his mother. And, you know, you're, you know, is he going, how is he going to react to it? What, what part of him is he going to give into? And obviously we know he gives into a little bit more of the dark side. And then it's, again, it's very literal in Revenge of the Sith with both uh, Anakin fighting Obi-Wan and Yoda fighting Sidious. It's yeah. uh, it's such a, an iconic piece of music, and it represents so much more than just what it's what's going on on screen, and that's why it was used so prominently in all three of the prequel films. And, and you know, I think the the you know they they really want Episode Nine to feel like an ending for all nine films. One way to do it is in the final showdown between Ray and Kylo, or or whoever, or whatever, is to just. Hit us with that. Dun, 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 dun. See, see, my favorite, my favorite theory currently about Episode Nine is that it's going to end with end on Naboo with Ray with a double bladed lightsaber <laughs> versus Kylo Ren and his young apprentice. Mm, interesting. With Duel of the Fates. <laughs> that would be that would be one way of going. That would be something. It would be um, a little on the nose, baby, but little, I want it. Yeah. A little, I'd be very taking the ring theory very literally. <laughs> um, but hey, you know what? If, if it works, it works. Um, so yeah, that's my number three, Duel of the Fates. Love it. Love it. It's a great one. And I think it's a great title, too, just to close out the conversation. Um, in episode one, Duel of the Fates represents you know, the fate of Naboo, the fate mm. of this current conflict. In episode two, when it's playing, it's a a struggle for which side of Anakin is going to surface. So it's like the fate of the chosen one. Mm. Um, and then in episode three, it's a duel for the fate of the galaxy. Yeah. Like, it's, it's almost like every time it, it just increases in uh, the magnitude of the situation. This is, this, is, this is a planetary conflict. This is the conflict of somebody that is deemed the chosen one of the galaxy. And this is also a, a conflict for the galaxy. Like to have all of those expressed just with a musical piece is pretty fantastic. It's amazing. Amazing. For sure. So, Zach, number three. What number is- three. We are continuing the uh, the 
concept of a John Williams nostalgia trip. Uh, last time around, it was pirates, but before there were pirates, there was a uh, a certain actor that my family loved to watch, and that was the Duke, John Wayne. Oh. And, I mean, he was in so many amazing movies, war movies, western movies, dramas. Like, he was one of the greatest actors of his generation, and... Uh, he made guest appearances on TV shows like I Love Lucy, which was absolutely hilarious. Um, he was just like an icon of the time. And one of his most iconic movies was a movie where he took a whole bunch of young kids on a cattle drive because it was out of season and he couldn't get actual adults to go with him. And so he took these young fellows with him on a cattle drive and all kinds of crap hits the fan during the movie i don't think he even survives it it's one of the few movies where john wayne actually dies in the film and uh it's called the cowboys and in that movie there's an opening credit as you're watching all the opening credits at the beginning of the movie that says music by john williams one of his earliest credits was from a Wild West called The Cowboys, starring John Wayne. And, you know, you were talking about the nostalgia trip of, of Gilligan's Island back in the 60s. I think The Cowboys was around the same time. I think it was in the late 60s when this movie was made. So this was a decade before Star Wars. And uh, you, you, you hear the woodwinds and the strings from Hook, and you hear the choral elements from Duel of the Fates, but then you listen to this, and this is like the standard for me as far as wild western music is concerned. So this is the opening theme to John Wayne's The Cowboys, composed by John Williams. Yeah, that's one of those ones that like I can't I can't say I've ever seen the film, but as soon as the music started playing, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. this is it's iconic. You know what it reminds me of? Mm-hmm. And I want I'll, I'll let you I'll 
I'll let you I'll let you take this over just a second, Zach. But it, it hit me while I was listening to this that you know there's a there's a point in the the conveyor scene in Solo mm. where it kind of does this very like epic like like it's like that, and it invoked me that like old western type feel that I think that I think John Powell was trying to mimic, and you get that in this score, which is great, for sure, for sure. I mean, I I gave all my thoughts beforehand. I think the music just kind of reaffirmed what uh what thoughts I had on it. It's it's kind of the gold bar as far as Western music is concerned. It sounds like you're going on a cattle drive, yeah. and it's it's a it's a really fun movie. If you if you had to watch a Western, I would recommend either True Grit with John Wayne, not the not the Jeff Bridges version. Mm-hmm. I'd recommend I'd recommend True Grit, Rooster Cogburn and the Lady, which is another good one. Or the Cowboys. Those are probably some of the best uh, best Westerns, if you'll pardon the hotel <laughs> pun. Yeah, and then you go on a holiday in France. Uh, <laughs> Stop! <laughs> Stop! No, actually, keep going. How many motel... Uh, how many motel... No, that's not going to work. I can't. Motel 6. I can't. No, I can't think of one. Keep going. How many how many motel references can we make? Six. six. Yeah. But I was trying to get yeah. motel and six right next to each other. Yeah. If you do that, it turns into like an innuendo of some kind. Yeah. <laughs> it's like on The Simpsons, the sleep easy motel, but it enough letters are burnt out, so it just says the sleazy motel. Sleazy motel. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Sounds about right. <laughs> All right, before this goes too far down that rabbit hole, I'm going to go ahead and talk about my number three. And by all I'm, means. I think that's the number that we're on. I sometimes get confused sometimes, so yes, bear my with number, me. My number, my number three was The Cowboys, and uh, Dom's number three was Duel of the Fates, so we're to yours now, Ben. All right, so my number three is uh, perhaps similar, but I think a little bit different from... Uh, uh, one of Dominic's, and uh, it's uh, one from a little film called Jurassic Park. Um, as I said, a lot of great music in Jurassic Park, and this one in particular kind of thing. And, and this is, I think, you'll sense a theme, and a thing I'll actually explain when I get to my number one. But there's a particular sort of track on most movie soundtracks that I prefer the most. And uh, this is one of those. It's uh, it's simply titled Dan Credits, and it's got a great little melody. Won't hear all of it, but there's just it's got that build into the Jurassic Park theme that we all know and love, and it's just so again, it's it's magical. I think John Williams' music can be summed up as magical, and this piece is quintessential to that.
<laughs> oh man. Hey, right, fun fact. I have used that track and credits as my alarm music sometimes. <laughs> oh, that's great. It is nice. an amazing way to start the day. You hear that fanfare and you know that it's time to get up. Like that's one of the few times where I actually don't turn off my alarm instantly and frustratedly because I just want to keep listening to it. Thanks. And a fun fact, fun fact, um uh the spark is my current alarm sound. Oh really? My current alarm. Oh, of all things. Mine is uh, Imperial March, but that's just because uh, I figured, you know, it's, it means the bad guys are coming and, you know, getting up. Yeah. Not, I, I not like the spark because it, it's it's a slow burn. It kind of builds mm. up. So it's like uh, it doesn't like just see, rock you out of bed as it should probably because I'm a, <laughs> not a light sleeper. But see, but see, unlike you guys, you guys like listen to the track when it starts playing. I treat it like any other alarm. So it pretty much it just goes dun 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 bang. That's all I get. And that's that's the <laughs> thing, though. You have to be careful with those things because if you set it as your alarm, you'll start to hate it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's oh my true. god, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to get up. <laughs> yep, it's true. That that is that is a danger that you have to be careful with. You guys want to know what my alarm tone is right now? What is it? Oh boy. Mm. Classic. And it's an it's annoying as hell. Well, well, see, see, I, I'm one of those people. I, I, you know, there's, there's two types of people. There's the person who sets one alarm for right when they need to get up, or there's a person that sets an alarm to go off every five minutes for, let's say, an hour or more uh, until it's time for them to get up. I'm that person, so I just, I just go with the class. Every five minutes, I get the, you know. Yeah. So I've, I've gotten to the point where. Um, my phone isn't even enough for me anymore. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I, I, have, I have this last resort. I do that about every 10 minutes so that I feel like when I turn off the alarm, I'm actually getting a few more decent minutes of rest. Right. So I'll do it every like 10 minutes or so, and I'll do that probably at least three or four times. And then my absolute last resort where if I don't get up by this time, I'm going to be late – I actually have that alarm set on my Alexa on the other side of the room. Ah, uh, yeah. It's the one where you have to and get up and where you have to like get up and push the button in order to shut it up. Yeah. What's and so... then you have you need and then you have the the alarm clocks that will like fly away when they turn on. <laughs> and then I've heard of the ones that will roll away, yeah. Uh-huh. And then you have the newest one is the bed that goes uh, a vertical oh my God. when <laughs> to get you out of bed. So basically, it just throws you. That's what I need. Throws you out of bed to get you up. That's what I need. Well, I, I'd heard about one where like you had to get it to turn off. You had to solve a math problem. But, oh, but no. I'm but I'm not good at math. So what would have happened there is I would have just like sat there with the alarm going. Bwah, 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 and I'm like, okay, three plus three is six, right? Okay, carry the one and <laughs> I before E except after C no wait no that's not it's not math um yeah yeah that would be me I've I've seen one and and I'll I'll finish with this I don't okay. mean to carry on the alarm conversation I don't mean to alarm anybody <laughs> hashtag alarm watch um, yeah but I've also seen some where you have to uh maybe this is just a Texas thing but there's some that you can put at the foot of your bed that has uh, a target that pops up above it and you can shoot the target with your airsoft pistol to turn it off. Of course. Yeah, I've seen that. Of course that exists. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
Absolutely. I mean, you're you're kind of pissed off at your alarm clock anyway, so why not shoot it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But in a but in a reusable manner where you can like take out your frustration and still use it again the next day. Of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. So, so a I needle pulling thread. <laughs> Love. No to on, follow so. We're on to number two. Dominic, with take you. it away. I thought I thought I thought it was with Jam and Brad. Now, um, all right. Um, yeah. So for me, number two. Uh, this isn't the first time we've heard a, a song from this uh, from this film, actually. Um, but if you've listened to my last six appearances on the IPC podcast, you would know that I'm a, a huge fan of the Harry Potter series. And I couldn't make a list without including at least one song from uh, those films. And so this is from the Philosopher's Stone, Harry, uh, Harry's Wondrous World. <laughs> about that one is that it's just the way it captures the um sort of wonderful whimsicalness of certain scenes in that first movie especially just the i the the little bit the dun dun dun, dun that always reminds me of, of diagon alley uh, and just sort of the all of the fun and just how bright and colorful that world is when harry first enters it at the beginning of the philosopher's stone and it just it really uh that bit of music that little motif there uh sums up the the fun side of the harry potter universe for me like nothing else so that's my number two yeah that was almost on my list that's i love that track Mm -hmm. it's a good one it's it 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 emphasizes the the magic and the wonder that you experienced in the first couple of films and then gives some really interesting contrast when you start to reach the end of the series when it gets very bold very dramatic um, you start to see different contrasts in setting as well. Like in the first movie, you've got a very bright and happy Quidditch match. And then uh, in the in the one that we just talked about, what was it, Half-Blood Prince? Mm-hmm. There, there, was a, there was a Quidditch tryout that was very dark and gloomy. And so yeah. it's almost like the deeper into the series you get, the deeper the music gets. And unfortunately, Williams wasn't there for the entirety of the series, but... He did lay a very solid foundation that everybody else built upon, and it made for a fantastic franchise. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Zach, we got your number two. What is it? Uh, My number two is making the rounds one more time. Uh, DJ Crazy Train, I'll just let you take it away. It needs no introduction by this point.
I forgot about the segment where everything gets quiet for a bit, and I thought you'd just cut it off, and then I started talking like an idiot. <laughs> no, no, it keeps it keeps it keeps going. It's a long song. It, 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 it's it's got that quiet interlude, and I just started talking, and it's it's yeah, my I number two. Number two. I thought it was I number started two. and I started talking about it and all that stuff. I was like, okay, a little short, but that's okay. And then it started playing some more, and I was like, oh, damn it. <laughs> but yeah, I I got introduced to DVDs with this film, and my friend said, yeah, we can just watch the final fight scene if you want. We don't have to watch all the other boring stuff. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, I was I was introduced to scene selection for the very first time by watching just the duel of the fates, yeah. which is which is like my favorite one of my favorite fight scenes of all time, probably my very favorite fight scene of all time. Although I'm still bummed that uh, Liam Neeson died the way that he did, but I get it. But it doesn't mean I'm happy about it. Um, <laughs> but it's it's just one of my favorite scenes in all of Star Wars, which is something. Something to be said because, you know, most of my favorite stuff actually comes from the original and the and the sequel trilogy, if I'm being totally honest. But uh, the, the Duel of the Fates, Obi-Wan versus Grievous, uh, Yoda versus Dooku, and uh, obviously the 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 Battle of Battle of the Heroes at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Those are some of the highlights for me, but Duel of the Fates, I still feel like it tops all of them. And maybe it's for nostalgia purposes. Maybe it's just for the choreography, something we've never seen before. I don't know. But there's just something classic about that scene from that movie with that film score attached to it. Hey, mall fight scenes are nostalgic to me. Uh, I, I, you mentioned the DVD of Phantom Menace. One thing that that sort of reminded me that reminded me of, and one of the reasons I think this song became as popular as it did right away and, and has remained as popular as it has over the years beyond it being just awesome is uh, in the lead up to Phantom Menace. One of the things they did to promote the movie was mm-hmm. they created a music video for it and it played on MTV. Like it would, you would have like, you know, the hip pop songs of the day and then you'd get this like orchestral choral classical music with, uh, behind the scenes footage from Fa- from Phantom Menace and actual clips from the movie, uh, footage of the the orchestra recording it. It's uh, you know it's it's pretty um, it, it's it was a pretty bold marketing move and and very um, very much of its time. You know they really don't need to do something like that and they're releasing an outlet for it for the sequels or the standalones these days. But uh, you can still watch that on the DVD of Phantom Menace. I wish they would include it on on the blu-rays but uh still on the dvds if you still got those so i i feel like i'm gonna have to go back and rewatch that um sometime soon yeah it's great it's it's a classic and there's a reason why it was so highly voted by our listeners there's a reason why it's showing up in people's top fives it's a it's a pretty great piece Mm -hmm. so that's my that's my number two number two Ben? All right. All right. I guess I'm up. And uh, spoiler alert, it's not Duel of the Fates. <laughs> oh, dang it's it. not. But it is from that franchise. And you may have noticed that that franchise has been missing from my list um, throughout the evening. And uh, that's that's changing right now. And it's not going to change after 
this. Let's just another little spoiler alert there for you. So this one is from The Empire Strikes Back. Guys, going way back, almost all the way at the beginning to arguably what I would argue to be probably one of the best action sequences ever, the Battle of Hoth. And it is just... The Battle of Hoth in itself is just an amazing sequence, but the music is so, so different, especially just you're thinking about Star Wars in its infancy, what it was doing back in the day. And what John Williams does with that sequence is just so, so unique and different. And so, you know, it just it adds so much to an already phenomenal sequence. So the, the one the one thing that I noticed just from listening to that snippet is it's one of those ones that kind of sets the tone, but mm-hmm. it's not exactly a good tone because obviously Hoth is a is a lost cause. It's a, it's a it's a failed battle. You know the right. the, the rebels don't claim they're, they're losing from one. the beginning. They're they're on the run. They're outnumbered. Everything is just kind of stress and tense, and and you can kind of sense that just from the tone of the music it kind of puts you on edge a little bit but it's not so dissonant that it just makes you completely uncomfortable there is some sense to it there is some structure to it kind of like the structure that the rebels have when they're mounting their evacuation like there's there's some tie-ins to the film that are just intangibly woven into the score and that's that's a really good selection, man. I never would have thought of that one, but I, I after listening to it, I totally get it and totally respect it. Yeah, one Thank thing you. one thing about that that selection of yours there, Ben, is like we've had a lot of themes and we've had a couple of moments, but this is the first time we have like a, a, a whole scene or a whole set piece being conveyed in the music like the spark is very sort of specific to luke skywalker walking walking out the 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 music from hook is that moment of the lost boys realizing that robin williams really is peter pan uh and then we've had you know jurassic park we've had star wars even duel of the fates these are sort of epic themes uh harry potter as well um and this is uh this is the first one where it's kind of like it's just it's the Battle of Hoth in its entirety that that music really makes you think of. Yeah, it's it's just I just love the way it and you, you had the beginning where it's it's got the boom, boom, 
and it's and it's mimicking the AT-ATs and then it just speeds up and just the intensity keeps ratcheting up as the scene progresses and it totally sets the tone for it because you know the music is very tense very fast and you get a sense of that just through the scene which is very tense very fast paced and you're in the thick of it yeah absolutely absolutely it's a great piece man and I think it's the last sectional piece that we're going to hear from here on out. We're into the home stretch, aren't we? Yeah. We're, we're coming into the, to the last little bit. It's the final countdown. We're coming around to everybody's number ones, but before we get to those, I just want to give a special thank you and a shout out to our patron, Jake Damon, who was on the program with us last week. If you haven't heard last week's episode, go back and have a listen to it. It's got all the submissions from our previous uh, listeners, people that contributed to their top fives. But Jake also gave us his top five to close out the evening last week, and his was as follows. He had the Last Crusade theme from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade at number five. He had Hedwig's theme from the Philosopher's Stone, and then he just had the Philosopher's Stone main theme at number three. Any of the openings, he was very, very specific about this, about how broad he wanted it to be. He said any of the opening themes or opening sequences to Star Wars. The, the crawl and the transition into the movie is like one of his favorite parts. It just lets him know that he's in for a wild ride. And then he played a 10-minute piece that isn't from the soundtrack per se, but it is a really great um, piece of music. It's the Jurassic Park Suite, and we played that as our uh, post-show music for you guys last week. If you want to have a listen to that, go check it out on last week's episode. This is the first time we've ever done a two-parter top five episode, and we've had hosts that guested with us on both of those episodes. We got DJ Crazy Train with us tonight, and we had Jake Damon with us last week. So thank you to both of you guys for being a part of this epic journey. I really feel like John Williams is getting the credit he deserves, and we get to enjoy a lot of what he has to offer. Not necessarily everything, but we're getting a really, really good variety of just how versatile this man is as a composer. Oh, absolutely. It's, I mean, he doesn't, he gets a lot of credit. I'm not sure he gets enough credit for still, like after all these years. But uh, we get to finally, we talk about him a lot on the show, but finally get, give him uh, our, his, his fair due airtime, both, both talking about him and listening to his work. And now we get to listen to our favorite works in their entirety Starting with you, Dominic, what is your number one favorite John Williams piece of all time? So this piece, uh, in my opinion, is not just the best and most iconic piece of John Williams music ever composed. It is one of the best and most iconic pieces of music, period, ever composed. I don't have to say a lot to set it up, but I will say these 10 little words a long time ago in a galaxy far far away.
to me, it doesn't get any better than that. Um, you know, I used the one from New Hope, but really it could have been any of them. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I, it's one of those things. I, I can't not be in a good mood when I hear that music. And uh, it's just, it's, it's such, a, such an iconic piece. It means so, so much to me. All of, those, all of the films and all of the music. Um, that, uh, yeah, I, 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 I it feels it still like, uh, it still feels weird when there's Star Wars movies that don't start with that. Uh, mm-hmm. and they should mm-hmm. start with that in my opinion. Uh, uh, even if they're not saga films, quote unquote. Um, but it's, it's just, it's so iconic and, um, you know, you know, right away what it is and, uh, what it means. So yeah, number one, the Star Wars theme. You'll get no argu- arguments from me. That's just no. it's it means like you could you could you could go to anywhere on the planet pretty much and play that to someone and they would know what it is. Like yeah. it's just that iconic. Oh for sure. For sure. Yeah, no, I mean I remember how uh, excited everyone was when the opening crawl played for the force awakens. Like that's one of my favorite moments of movie watching of memory making just in general. Like it's one of those things that's going to stand out to me for a really, really long time because, you know, after revenge of the Sith came out, we thought that's it. We're done. We're not getting any more star Wars except for maybe a TV show or a mini series or something like that. We never expected another full fledged movie. And then we all make our various treks to Mississippi and converge on one movie theater together. A whole bunch of Star Wars fans from different parts of the continent coming together for one purpose, and that's Star Wars. And that opening crawl, that opening music, I was just hit with this sense of awe and wonder, like, holy crap, it's back. (laughs) it's, It's actually here. I'm actually watching another Star Wars movie. And I was just so jazzed. I was so excited. I finally realized, you know, a microcosm of what it must have felt like to to see the opening crawl of Empire Strikes Back or the opening crawl of Phantom Menace, mm-hmm. you know, for the people that thought four, five and six was it. And then you got one, two and three. You know, you've got the opening crawl, the Phantom Menace hitting you like. I finally got to to relate to that and I got to relate to you guys. It's a it's a great it's a great piece. Yeah. It's Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's my number 1. So Zach, lay it on us. Okay, so buckle up kitties cuz this one's going to last a little while. Um I I feel kind of bad picking um something quite so long after Dom just played something that was maybe like a couple of minutes. Like I was mm-hmm. expecting the full five minute suite with the conclusion and fanfare and all that stuff. Like I was settling in and then it cut off and I was like, Oh geez. But, um, this is one of those ones similar to the battle of Hoth in my opinion, because it's a sequence of events that happens over the span of several minutes in this movie. And it's broken up into three separate components in my mind is broken up into, into three different areas plus a conclusion, if you will. Uh, the first element is uh, a sense of adventure. Uh, the second element is a sense of welcome. 
And the third element is a sense of awe and wonder. And you get all of that encapsulated in the next eight minutes. And I know it's going to be a long eight minutes for some of you. But for me, this is the most beautiful piece of music I've ever listened to. Like, I've listened to a lot of classical music for music appreciation class and stuff like that. But nothing sticks out to me and nothing gets stuck in my head easier than what you're about to hear. It's a John Williams piece. It's from one of my favorite movies of all time. It's in my list of top five movies I'll never say no to. It's Journey to the Island from Jurassic Park. Enjoy.
And there you have it. A sense of adventure as the chopper approaches the island. A sense of welcome as they land and make their way into the park. But perhaps some uncertainty, not sure about what they're going to be seeing or doing once they get on the island. And uh, then a sense of wonder when Alan Grant first lays eyes on an actual dinosaur. Yeah. I got I got to say just listening to all this music tonight it's making me want to just go back and rewatch all of these movies and <laughs> I think a Jurassic Park uh rewatch is uh is due in short order for me. Totally. Totally. Same here. That's uh, that's think, my number one piece. Yeah. I love it. I listen to it all the time. Journey to the Island from Jurassic Park. Yeah, it's 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 um it's a testament to that music and to that movie that a variation on the Jurassic Park theme made it onto all of our lists, mm. including Jake's, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, his was number yes. one. Number one, yeah. It made it onto all four of our lists. Uh, it's a testament to, a testament to that movie. Man, so good. So good. So I guess it's time for me. Yes, sir. I believe you're up. Yep. All right. All right. Let me drop this one on you. It's also a very long one. I just looked at it. It's almost nine minutes long. <laughs> the, the songs, I, I got to say, Ben, yours is one second longer. They're <laughs> 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 almost identical in length. Wow. That's crazy. Okay. So this one, as I said before, this theme, this is the end credits to one particular film and funny story. So I keep mentioning this John Williams concert that I went to a while back. Um, when you go to these things, they, they have a set list of songs they're going to do. But after they kind of finished, they kept doing like encore stuff in addition to this that wasn't on the program. Oh man. So they kept kind of going and going and going, and like this one piece is one of my favorite tracks of all time. I've listened to this more probably than any other track, um, and it is the Jedi Steps and finale from Star Wars: The Force Awakens, and it's just great because it's it is kind of cheating. It really is. I'll be quite honest. It's cheating because. You get everything in this, and that's why I love end credit sequences. You get it all. You get the March of the Resistance. You get Ray's theme. You get the First Order theme. You get everything, and it runs through it all, but also starts with Ray going up the steps to find Luke Skywalker, and it's just the Jedi Steps music in and of itself is amazing. And honestly, I would have liked to hear more of that in The Last Jedi. We didn't get... It seemed like it's kind of the biggest showing of it is in The Force Awakens, but... It's it's a phenomenal piece, and yes, they played it. I was like an out-of-body experience listening to a real orchestra play this particular song. So without further ado, let's just get on with it with uh, Jedi Steps.
I love just at the end the the little da 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 da. Just the little, just the little like it's. I don't know what it's played on, but it's uh, it's pretty sweet. Xylophone, maybe, maybe, possibly. It sounds it sounds almost like a chime to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's where's good uh, where's Jeff White when you need him? He could probably identify every <laughs> musical instrument yeah. that was being played on that. Probably. But, dude, that is a great, great selection. I mean, you're right. It feels, it's got so feels much very room. feels very nice to end on that. End credits, and and with that, even though we're not done for the night. No, but we're pretty close. We are pretty close, and. Uh, Honestly, really, all we've got left is just the the quote that we picked from last week and uh, a repeat of last week's food segment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think I think, that, I think that's all we got. So, I mean, while we're continuing the trend of of playing stuff for you all to hear, why not hear from the man himself? We actually found a uh, a what is it is a, is a speech by John Williams? Is that right? Right, right. I will. Before you introduce that, I will say I have to run. I do oh. apologize, guys. I'm so sorry. But this was a lot of fun, and I hate to run. I hate to listen and run, but uh, this was an absolute blast. Thank you so much, Dominic, for for running the board and making all this happen. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the show without me. <laughs> well, I mean, oh, the show's yeah. just gonna get better now. Yeah, obviously. it's, it's gonna Tell like you. the quality. Like, get out of here, Ben. We don't want you anymore. The quality is just going to skyrocket. I mean, I'm telling you, <laughs> telling you, jeez. Oh, Go find him at Ben Hart with no E on all the social media platforms to keep up with the stuff that he's doing when he's not podcasting. But uh, we're going to bid a very heartfelt and happy farewell. A heart a with no night. E felt. Uh, goodbye. A, a heart, <laughs> yeah, I did that on purpose. I was hoping somebody would catch on. A there you go. Felt farewell to Mr. Ben Hart. And we're looking forward to next week's adventure, man. Oh, yeah. Totally looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ben. All right. So um, this this speech by Mr. Williams, I really don't know if it needs an introduction. I mean, we've heard his musical pieces for the last couple of hours. And I think it's just very fitting that the quote of the night is hearing from the man himself. So, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm not really going to stand on much pomp and circumstance for this. It's his acceptance speech at the 44th AFI lens, a lifetime achievement award from 2016. So it's just after the force awakens. First of all, what an amazing evening this is. There certainly are no adequate thanks for AFI and to all of you for coming tonight. When Sir Howard rang me about this event, uh, my first thought was, actually, I'm really much too young for a thing like this. (laughs) I am very happy to be here tonight as the first composer honoree. And I can think of many deserving colleagues in the past who would have certainly been wonderful candidates for this. I owe a great deal to these men, and I owe a great deal to film, certainly. Music is like architecture, sculpture, and so on, thousands of years old. And film is the new kid on the block, 100 years barely. And though we will watch its evolution carefully, side by side with the art of music, I am enormously grateful, as all composers are, to film for giving us the broadest possible audience worldwide that any composer has ever enjoyed. I, uh, 
I'm certain that Beethoven would have shunned it, but Wagner would have had his own studio out there in Burbank <laughs> with, a, with a huge water tank with a W on it. And I really want to mention some of the great directors that I've worked with. George Lucas. George Lucas, certainly a genius. George, you've given me the greatest opportunity in the broadest canvas to write themes for characters. Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, Anakin, Luke and Leia, The Force, and so on. For the first film, George, I even wrote, you'll remember, a quite heated love theme with, with, a, with a melody and a development section and a torrid climax, thinking that Luke and Leia were lovers. <laughs> and, and I found out two years later that they were brother and sister. And you, you will know that Stephen and I have worked together for I don't know, 43 or 4 years, something amazing. And it's like a perfect marriage, you know, we really have never had an argument of any kind. And it is a testament to this man's humanity and his loyalty and his patience and his very good taste. <laughs> I have a favorite Steven Spielberg story that I want to share with you. And that has to do with the film Schindler's List, which you will all remember. And Steven came back with his film to show me the first cut, as he always does. And we went to his projection room, and the purpose of this was to see the film and then discuss the music for the film. And you'll remember the film. It's the story of Oskar Schindler, who's a German civilian who protected and employed potential victims for the Holocaust. Powerful masterpiece of a film. And the film ends in the state of Israel, you remember, and the survivors and their children go to the graveside of Oskar Schindler to place stones on the graveside to honor the memory of, of Oskar Schindler. And the lights came up and the film was over and it was time for Stephen and me to begin to talk about the role of the music. And I was so overwhelmed by the film, I really could not speak. And I went out and walked around the building for a few minutes to gather myself and came back in to start the meeting with Stephen. And I said, Stephen, this is truly a great film and you need a better composer than I am for this film. And he said very sweetly, I know, but they're all dead. <laughs> to the AFI and its members and all guests tonight for coming. My heartfelt thanks for this indescribable evening. And once I get over being stunned, I will treasure this night always. And tomorrow morning, when I'm back at work, I will try to deserve all of this. Thank you all very much. Hollywood loves to give out those uh, Lifetime Achievement Awards, but really, yeah. it's, it's hard to think of somebody more deserving than John Williams when you just look at all the films that he worked on and all the, all the movies that he influenced with his music. It, it really, and, and, and as this show is a testament, has been a testament to it, it spans decades. It's not... You know, it's not a couple of movies here and there that are iconic. It's iconic right. music from the 60s until now. And 
you know, hopefully we've still got a few more few more years to go of this guy creating just incredible music. And and uh, Ben said earlier something to the effect of, you know, he doesn't always he still doesn't always get the credit he deserves. I mean, you, you look at the number of Oscar nominations that he has. It's it's a record. It's some, well over it's over 50 and he's only won five times. And I think when you have that many nominations and that few relatively wins, I think what you're seeing is the Academy going, oh, well, he'll he'll win next time. Like it's it's he should win for this, but he always wins. So he'll win next time. And that just keeps happening so that he winds up not winning as many times as he probably should have. And, and, and that's why, you know, and, and, and I think just that the, the difference between the number of nominations and the number of wins, again, just sort of speaks to how incredible this guy is that he, he almost almost gets taken for granted. But it's nice. It's always great to see when when uh, places like the AFI and, and others and the IPC, of course, uh, honor him with <laughs> the uh, AFI, the IPC, the, the yeah. ROFL, the yeah. TISNF. Yeah, um, <laughs> honor him with uh, Lifetime Achievement Awards or two-part podcast episodes. I mean, that's as close to a Lifetime Achievement Award as we can dish out, honestly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Se- separating and, and doing two individual uh, podcasts talking about one great composer and one great uh, lifetime of music. And I mean, I, I made this claim with Jake last week, and I'm going to make it to you again, Dom. I I truly believe that he's the greatest composer of our generation. Yes. And and I no mean, we, we've had we, we've had some great composers of our time, and he was talking about uh, Mozart and Wagner and, and composers like that um, who, who, are, who are previous. But um, for, for this generation, for, for this group of people, he sets the standard for how orchestral music is to be composed and how it is to be blended with cinema. Because mm-hmm. honestly, I don't think anybody else has ever done it better. And I dare say, I don't think anybody coming after him will be able to do better. Um, it it will be a very high bar to clear if they're able absolutely. to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. freaking lutely Would not dispute your claim there at all. Well, um, there there's one looming question that I've got from all of this that uh, we need to get to before we close out the night. And I'm really curious because you didn't get a chance to listen to last week's episode, did you? No, I haven't had a chance yet. Okay, so I'm actually going to repeat the question that we used last week okay. and just ask it of you to see what your thoughts and opinions are on this because right. it's, it's the same one that I posed to Jake, and I'm, I'm curious how similar or different our, uh, our answers are going to be. But before we get to that, uh, it's time for those of you listening live and those of you listening on social media to start getting out your hashtags. If you're listening live, put them in the chat. If you're not listening live, then go to social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, everything else that might carry a hashtag, because it's time for another IPC staple. Hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. 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 Barbecue, 
Okay, so for Barbecue Watch tonight, we've been talking about great music, probably some of the greatest music of our time. So let's try and find a way to integrate that with barbecue if we can. Um, it, it feels like a bit of a cop-out, but I, at the same time, I'm just really curious about what your thoughts are on this, Dominic. What do you feel like is the best music to listen to when you're eating barbecue? Whether you're at a barbecue restaurant or you're at home, you're at a cookout or a party, whatever the case may be, what do you find to be the best music that you would associate with barbecue? Um, <laughs> it would kind of be a, uh, it's kind of a cop-out answer at <laughs> like any music. Like it, you know, it's, it, I think barbecue oh. is one of those things that just goes with everything. I think any of the, uh, any of the tracks we've listened to tonight and any track we could probably name, I think just, um, either the, okay. it would either heighten the experience of eating the barbecue or the barbecue would heighten the experience of listening to the song. Well, so let me let me expand it then, because last week we kind of encompassed like all music, mm-hmm. like not not just John Williams tracks, but like just music and genres in general. If we expanded it to that, what would your would your opinion still be just listening to John Williams or would it be listening to another genre or artist? You know, I'm of the opinion that John Williams just makes everything better. And <laughs> It's very hard to get better than that. So I, I, I honestly, um, I honestly would, you know, I would take it. I would just take take John Williams, uh, a John Williams scored barbecue, uh, uh, or cookout or whatever you want to call it. I would, I would go with that. It would be interesting a John Williams themed barbecue. I don't think anything sounds more IPC than that. I, I think I think we've we've achieved peak IPC here. I think <laughs> if, if, if that was the case, like I'm curious because I've tried to host themed parties before mm-hmm. and they didn't really go so well. But I feel like if I pitched that to the right people, like in our social circles, mm-hmm. I think we'd actually have a pretty damn good turnout. I think we would too. I think we would too. I I think it uh I think it would work. I think I think we a, would have a good time. A John Williams themed barbecue night where we just get together, listen to John Williams music, maybe listen to movies or or watch movies on the TV that have John Williams film scores attached to them and we're eating ribs and brisket and chicken and anything else that might come out of the smoker. Man. Yeah. Yep. That sounds that sounds like a really really fun party. <laughs> um i was of the opinion that something called um yacht rock would be good too have you ever heard of yacht rock (laughs) i I, I probably have heard something like it but i don't i I can't tell you what i think it is right off the top so i didn't really know that this was a thing until i uh heard about it from my my workplace because we had a yacht rock theme night at the baseball stadium that I worked at. Okay. And the playlist that they were playing was all yacht rock music. And then I realized, oh crap, this is kind of the music that I listen to anyway. <laughs> um, but it, it it's very casual because like we we were talking last week about how country music might be the obvious choice, but uh, at the same time, country music can be kind of a downer sometimes, and you mm-hmm. don't really want to be depressed while you're eating barbecue. No. You want something that's a little more lively, something maybe a little more contemporary. And so Yacht Rock includes the likes of 
Holland Oates, uh, Foreigner, The Eagles, uh, Toto, like their 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 songs, uh, Rosanna or Africa or something like that. Uh, the Doobie Brothers. It would be Boz Skaggs, Steely Dan, Don Henley, Chicago. Probably some of that classic, uh, slower rock okay. that you would hear in yeah. like the the seventies into the eighties. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm feeling it. I see I see where you're coming from. Something something casual, something a little bit laid back, something that could be turned up really loud if it's a song that you're like really really into, but it could also just be kind of playing in the background a little bit while sure. you're conversing with people and hanging out and stuff. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I I would I would probably be okay with that being like background music, but if you were having a theme night. I wouldn't have a Yacht Rock-themed barbecue. I would absolutely have a John Williams-themed yes, barbecue. Yes, a John Williams-themed barbecue. And you'd have to come up with, with puns for all the different uh, all the different food options, like uh, 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 Jurassic Pork. Um, oh, God. Um, uh, Duel of the Cakes for dessert. Um <laughs> Oh man, this this could this could go really off the rails if we spent the next little while trying to come up with yeah, something like this. <laughs> if if you are still listening to this program, you've made it all the way to the end, then go find us on social media and submit your John Williams themed barbecue puns and mm-hmm. we'll try and read them on next week's episode. <laughs> go find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram at IPC Podcast. I mentioned earlier you can find Ben at Ben Hart with no E on social media. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Zach underscore DFW. And Dom, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, your social media contact is Dominic J25, correct? That would be correct. That would be correct. And you can tweet me. I'd love to get uh, lots of John Williams barbecue puns like across the sauce instead of across oh, the star. dear me. It <laughs> took me oh, way too dear. long to think of that one. <laughs> Well, I mean, I gave you a little bit of time by yeah. doing our doing our little plugs. Yeah. Uh, you can also listen to the show on Google Play, on iTunes, on Podbean at ipcpodcast.podbean.com. We also publish our episodes in a joint partnership with the Star Wars Underworld, so you can find recent episodes on starwarsunderworld.com as well. Be sure to go check that out. Whatever platform you use, be sure to let us know so we know exactly how you get your IPC content and uh, where we can make sure to stay engaged with you on social media and on your listening devices dominic it's been a fun one man thank you so much for being a part of this Um, evening uh and for hosting it the way that you did all of us getting to partake of the music the way that uh the way it should be listened to getting to to hear it with friends getting to break it down getting to talk about it this was a really really fun evening oh totally it was a blast thank you guys for uh including me in this it it was uh, a lot of fun to to listen to all that music, to talk about it. Uh, it's one of those things. It's just all about celebrating some really good stuff, celebrating the stuff we love. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe just some... I know there will be people that listen to this and go, how did you leave out that one? How did you leave out that one? To which I say, I agree. How did we leave out that one? I don't know. Um, it's There's so much uh, John Williams stuff. We could just... We could sit here and do honor, honorable mentions, I think, for another several hours and we would still just barely scratch the surface uh, you know we didn't even mention jaws indiana jones close encounters uh so so much e. good stuff e. didn't e. get mentioned yeah so much good stuff we could just you know you could do a whole show just about the star wars soundtracks um it's it's uh it, it's in, it's just his body of work is incredible and it was uh, a lot of fun to talk about as much of it as we did with you guys tonight Oh, absolutely. And you know what? I think 
I think the only way we can give proper uh, respect to those honorable mentions is to just let you all hear a little bit of all of that to close out the evening. Uh, I don't know if those uh, hardcore YouTubers out there recognize this or not. Uh, if this is your first listening and enjoy. If it's not, then, uh, then yeah, you get to hear this little piece of nostalgia that's been on the interwebs for a couple of hundred years or something like that. But for Dominic and for Ben, my name is Zach. Thank you for tuning in to episode 207 of the IPC podcast. It took us over 200 episodes to do a John Williams tribute, but we took the time to do it right. Thank you for tuning in to part two of this episode. We hope that you'll tune in to the IPC podcast next time. But until then, we're just going to leave you with this little reminder. John Williams is the man. You must use the force. 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 You must use the Time ago, far, far away, long time ago, far, far away. Kiss a Wookiee, kick a toy, fly the Falcon through an asteroid, till the princess is annoyed. This is spaceships, it's monsters, it's Star Wars, we love it, come and help me, Obi-Wan. X-Wing fighter and the blaster gun Dance with Ewoks, so we're fun This is spaceships, it's monsters, it's Star Wars, we love it Get in there, you big furry oaf I couldn't care less what you smell I take orders from only me Maybe you'd like it back in yourself, your highness, your worshipfulness, your highness, your worshipfulness. No one cares if you upset a droid. Nobody cares if you That's upset because a droids don't tear your arms out of socket. Nobody cares. I suggest a new strategy. Let the Wookiee win. That's because nobody cares if you upset a droid. Listen to a whining I was gonna go to Tashi. Station for power converters. Now I guess I'm going nowhere. It just isn't fair. You don't know anything about women. Kiss your brother, kiss your brother, kiss your brother. Who's your daddy? 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 Luke, I'm your father. That's not true. It is you.
ruthless to resist. Come with me, my son, we will rule. Since your feelings, it is true. So you have a twin sister who Obi-Wan was wise to hide. If you will not turn, then perhaps she will give in to your hate. You are mine. Man, you want to feel old? That video will be 10 years old in a month. Good Lord. Uh, it's according to YouTube, published October 27th, 2008. And the song's got to be older, too, because it says, you know, 2005 in there. But, man, I love that. <gasps> love that song. Man. Love that song. Love the video. I met uh, Corey Vidal a couple of years ago um, at... Uh, it was oh, it was Force Friday. It was Force Friday, twenty fifteen, when they were doing that big live stream of like all the toys that they were going to drop, and they were doing this like round the world twenty four hour live stream, and they did a little thing in Toronto, and he hosted that bit, and it was at the same time as Fan Expo, and so they did it at the at the one of the at the convention hall in one of the the panel rooms in the theater for or, or, where they were doing panels for fan expo so they did that but they did the toronto segment at like six in the morning so like i remember getting up or i guess it was like eight in the morning but i remember getting up at like six in the morning to go downtown to go to this thing and like having like being like out like you know so early to go watch people open star wars toys and just having one of those moments where i'm like what am i doing with my life and then i got there and it was really really fun and he, he, you know, he was, there was all this time before the actual like Toronto part of the live stream started where he was trying to like warm up the crowd and stuff and do all this fun stuff. And I kind of, I was kind of like, you know, fake annoying him because he was trying to, he would trying to do trivia questions and he would like be like, I've got a really tough one. And he'd throw it out to the audience. And I would answer like right away, like you again, not you. <laughs> um, and it was, it was really fun. They, they had prizes and stuff. I wound up, I wound up getting the worst prize, even though I answered all the hardest questions, um, which was a, well, yeah, a small, they were pissed at you. Yeah. A small t-shirt. <laughs> oh, small, you, it was, you can't even, you couldn't, could, you couldn't could, even wear I that could, if you wore, wanted to. I couldn't wear it. It was a, it was a, it was a cool T-shirt, but it would not have fit me. Um, no, I, 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 no, I, I know. Just hanging out with you in person, we, we've got somewhat similar builds, and yeah. I can't even fit in a medium. Yeah, exactly. So it was, it was like, really, this is what you get. And they, somebody else won, like, because Disney Infinity was the big thing. Then somebody else won, like, the full Star Wars prize. Like, I'm like, my question was way harder. But no, I don't. You know, it was just, it was just fun to be there. But yeah, that was my, was my adventure with Corey Vidal. <laughs> It was it was sounds a fun like time. a sounds like a fun person to hang out with. He he was cool. It was a lot of fun. 